Welcome to From Lord or Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education, and with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. While the king of the gods may steal the limelight, oftentimes in myth, there is a goddess with even greater abilities. A reoccurring trope is the goddess who is more clever, magical, or involved than the king god. In this episode, we'll look at some of the stories surrounding these goddesses and think about what they have to say to us today. <laughs> so we we did the king of the gods a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. And one thing that became immediately evident is that um, many mythologies are very patriarchal in nature. There's definitely, um, you have the king of the gods, he's a male, and, um, you know, a, a reason we're not doing queen of the gods, you know, I looked into that sort of thing is because queen of the gods generally kind of fits into that patriarchal stereotype. Yeah, so, um, you know, queen gods or earth goddesses are generally kind of a fertility based sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's Consorts, very secondary. Wives, second, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a couple, you know. Really, the ones that we'll, uh, the ones we'll talk about today, Isis is really the, probably the only one that could be considered a queen of the gods. Um, Saga, if you're considering her kind of a um, uh, aspect, I love her of, name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're considering an aspect of Frigg, she could might be considered one as well. But <laughs> but uh, really, m- most of them are are not the queen of the gods. They're they're um, an, a separate entity. Um. So that's why we chose goddesses of wisdom instead of queens of the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really not a slight to them at all either, because in in many of these stories, these goddesses um, are, are more powerful. In some yeah, ways there's, and more influential. yeah, there's a lot of stories where they end up tricking the king of the gods because mm-hmm. they're more clever or end up saving them or defeating them or doing a, you know, any number of things that make you say, yes. oh, well, you know, knowledge I, is power. Right, right. <laughs> So, um, you know, another thing that sticks out about them is that they um, they have a lot of different abilities. Um, I, none of them are just um, goddesses of wisdom. They also have... They have a portfolio of what yeah, they're goddesses yeah, of. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, in the case of Isis, you know, Isis is, uh, you know, she's a goddess of, of magic. But, like, really, you look at it, she has an innumerable amount of powers where you almost look at them and you think, well, who's, what does Ra do then? <laughs> she does all this. You know? um, and obviously, uh, you know, Athena is the goddess of, of warfare as well as, as wisdom. So there's quite a, a diverse. Um, you know what's one fascinating thing to me about, one, one of the fascinating things about Athena or Athena is if you just, you're an education person, I'm an education person, you, you listen to that, that list of, and she's the goddess of the things she said. She's the goddess of mathematics. She's the goddess of the arts. She's the goddess of wisdom. But here what we just said, mathematics and the arts, they are equal mm-hmm. and, and balanced, and both are required to be goddess of wisdom. And so that if just in that list, you have this, this remarkable lesson offered subtly about education (laughs) yeah because you know back in that day um it was you know in order to be considered a wise person you had to be kind of a a polymath or a a renaissance type person it wasn't enough to be a good mathematician if you were just a good mathematician you you were necessarily wise or if you were good you know you look at um you know philosophers painters these sorts of things if they weren't just those things, a lot of these guys, you know, right. oh, we're measuring the circumference of the earth or doing, you know, yeah. doing yeah. other stuff as well as, you know, painting and whatnot. So there wasn't really this neatly drawn line between the humanities and the STEM fields back then. You know, there was you, you had to be good at both in order to be considered wise. Yeah. Obviously, there was a much smaller body of knowledge back then compared to now. Um, but well, that doesn't necessarily wise, invalidate the premise. No, it, does, it doesn't at all, because being uh, seeking wisdom through multiple paths of, of study uh, doesn't mean that you know everything 
about that field. And, and so you're right in pointing that out. It is not about uh, being perfect at or, or I think that's what these that's what these characteristics teach us. It's, it's not about the end point. Uh, if your God is of um, art, that doesn't mean you're going to make all art. That doesn't mean you're in charge of all art. It, it means that you're a pinnacle point saying art is important, mm. I think. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's not about finally the final exam <laughs> <laughs> so let's um let's dive in then let's we'll start with um athena because okay. she probably is the most well known yeah why don't you give us a little bit of athena's <laughs> story i love athena's story because she's a, a pain to her dad <laughs> <laughs> so so athena is well we know you know that she's born from Okay, he has a large migraine, which is really his daughter coming out of his head, fully armored. Just that image is just uh, uh, amazing. This 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 fully fledged being pops out of his head, and and the reason that that had to happen um, is is because he's a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel, <laughs> like his father. Well, you know the story. So mm. so, what do you find fascinating about her her? Her it's, conception. It's exact. It's um, you know, basically the retelling of Cronus and the Titans. It I mean, is. you know, so with Cronus, he has these children, and each child he you know he eats so that they can't <laughs> usurp his power, right? And then he ends up getting tricked and eats, swallows a stone instead of Zeus, and then Zeus comes back and takes power from him. Right. Well, in the Athena story, Zeus does the same thing, right? He he goes starts with Metis. right? He yeah. goes around philandering and um you know eating these eating these children or and then eventually he ends up eating um it's Metis. right yeah. right and so the god Metis herself was a being of great power she's a being of 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 craftiness and intelligence and so the the story was that if he had children with her they would be more clever than him and that's what made him nervous so he eats her but she's already pregnant with Athena, and so <laughs> Athena is born from Zeus's. He has sword. a terrible headache, and suddenly there she is, popping out of his head. But of course, he's a god, so that can happen. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the tales indicate that she was his favorite, which is really interesting. That's a funny turn of events. Uh, it's a funny turn of events, but but she, and she also becomes. She's she's not his tool. He sends her. He's, he's she's sort of his uh, mercenary in some in some ways, but she challenges him in others. She refuses sometimes. She um, she's called Pallas Athena. Pallas means girl, but she's not a girl. <laughs> she's she's a, a, a powerful, powerful woman, uh, and more. And and so that's why she's fascinating. Um, She's goddess of the city. What? Uh, she's she's as we said, craft and wisdom, ra rationality. Well, here's a symbol of somebody who comes popping full blown out of your your head. So of course, it's not a rational story, but it is about thought, thought that is armored. Uh, and armored thought is not thought that is unable to let other thought in we, we were conversing before the show about things uh, you know it, uh, a wall around your mind does not allow you to be wise um, so armor is not um a, a, a wall no armor is impenetrable but armor does allow you to go places where you might, might not otherwise go right yeah so yeah, that's there's definitely an interesting juxtaposition between um, some of the roles of the gods and goddesses from back then and kind of our views of gender stereotypes today, right? Yes. yes. Many of the kings of the gods are associated with very um, abstract kind of feelings, whereas a lot of these goddesses of wisdom are about concrete action. Which, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 that's, they, um, they, 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 that's a really good point. Like, case in point, 
example in point, rather. She invents the flute. She's not just goddess of music. She creates instruments. She doesn't play the flute. Why? Because she doesn't like the way it makes her cheek look, cheeks look when she has to puff into it, the embouchure thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I just find that an incredibly marvelously human. It's it's not human in the in the uh, sense of the flawed humanity of the warriors and the Odyssey and so on. <laughs> it's the um, it's the the human. I made this. I don't like the way it makes me look, so I'm not going to touch. I want to make something else. You know, <laughs> gods are vain. Right. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, other things that are kind of interesting about Athena is, um, you know, we talked about how, you know, Zeus tried to um, sort of foil her birth because she was going to be more clever than him, but she was also going to be very powerful. And, I mean, one of the stories she defeats Poseidon, who is... Yeah. Deuce's brother. Deuce's brother, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, very powerful. And again, you know, we're, we're comparing and contrasting. You know, we, we talk, I just talked about how these goddesses of wisdom in general are more concrete and actionable than the kings mm-hmm. of the gods. But within their stories, um, there's there's some differences too. We You know, we talked about how Athena's um, sort of vain or sort of powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get down, and, and Isis is kind of a more of a compassionate goddess. So yeah, there's there's yeah. different personalities. It's not like they're um, they're carbon copies of each other no, across different cultures. They're, they're very different. I mean, Athena, to me, at her worst, and there's a marvelous play about this this story about her. But um, you know, we know the story of Medusa. We think, and and Medusa is a gorgon she's been uh she's been rendered into a monster that turns people into stone they have snakes for hair and uh, and but she's that way because um she was um well there's no kind word for it she was raped in a temple of athena and when she asks Athena for help, Athena says, how dare you have committed this act in my temple? And she punishes her by turning her into this creature. So at her worst, she is an ultimate example of the patriarchy, of mm. uh, uh, female shaming um, um, in, the, uh, not, in the worst possible way, um, not caring for women. So she's a formidable, not gentle and nice creature. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, this brings up um, an important point about kind of general gender roles and, and stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have this idea that, you know, up until the year 2000, you know, women were homemakers and, and mothers and men were, you know, workers and, and these other things. But really, these sorts of things have, have exist all throughout time. Athena is, is very much a, a tomboy, essentially. I mean, she's she's the patron of heroes. She goes around armored. She she bullies, she bullies some people and she yeah. defends other things and she's defeating, you know, Poseidon and doing all this stuff. So she you know very um very obviously does not fit your your typical female um gender roles no, no. um and that's we, not, and that's not why we, we would look that, that's not what makes her and what makes her interesting is the fact that she doesn't right exactly but but she is also i mean if i if i if i just think into our own moment now historically i mean it's athena is uh, the goddess of the established patriarchal law and order. You don't challenge that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she would not be a kind goddess right now. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, it really just highlights, you know, um, some of our, you know, our misthinking about how 
um, things like this were done yeah. in history. Yeah. And I was reading a study um, this past week actually talking about how the differences, in, intra-gender differences are far greater than inter-gender differences. You'll find much greater difference between um, men or women than you will find between men and women, you know? <laughs> and you find that looking at a lot of the stories of these gods is that, you know, just because they're a goddess does not mean that they're going to completely conform to any particular. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's, there's not a limit. You're, you're right about that. Not a limit. So we've talked a little bit about the, the, um, kind of that powerful or, or warlike aspect of Athena, but she was a goddess of wisdom. Um, and you look at, uh, the Odyssey, and she was very much a counselor to um, Odysseus in mm-hmm. that in that story. So, yeah, like I said, goddess of mathematics, you know, uh, very you know, very wise and sewing and cooking too. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> just just tossed in. <laughs> it's like that always feels to me, but I know it's not. But it feels like this little tacked on addendum. Oh yeah, she's female. She has to do with addendum. <laughs> I can't see Athena preparing them in the stories. No, I, I, you know, it's like there was an old TV show called Bewitch where you could wiggle your nose and this is full fledged feast and maybe. Anyway. (laughs) All right, so let's let's move on. Um, The second one we were going to look at was uh, Saga, um, who was uh, the Norse goddess of wisdom. and there's some question about whether she is kind of an aspect of of Frigg, who would yes. be the queen of the the Norse gods. What, yes. what do you think about that? Well, you know, I there's not as there's not as much accessible um, information or storytelling about her in English that mm-hmm. I have experienced. Uh, mentions and and allusions to i i have trouble with calling any character and this is just the literary part of me um an aspect of somebody else's character so you know if 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 frig or frigga uh or freya if if they if if she has is partly her work is wisdom then let it be like the Greeks <laughs> mm-hmm. in that way uh, to say, well, the saga, uh, and I know I've, I've read those same things. Uh, it troubles me because it, her very name is associated with storytelling. Uh, as, uh, in, in other, in, as much as to say that, that wisdom can be found in narrative. Mm. Um, that doesn't need to be tacked on to any other goddesses portfolio for me yeah yeah and again you know a a lot of these goddesses that we'll look at they have a laundry list of um characteristics that go along with them saga is a little bit different because there isn't a whole lot of literature to go with her um but what there is is pretty important right because like you said the name itself you know the word when we use the word saga now we're talking about a long story that is kind of what's her role she was kind of the as guardian historian um, well, why don't you tell her, why don't you tell what we do know about her? Well, we know uh, mostly in my, in my, and you may have found other things, but in, in my reading, it's mostly the, what's associated with her, uh, where she differs from, as uh, you've said, the, where she differs from Athena, I think markedly is that she's known for kindness. Well, I think that that's also a patriarchal aspect of well, Odin is Odin is wise. Odin sells his eye or gives his eye up and so on, hangs himself by his foot for days from a tree in order to gain knowledge. I don't know how Saga gains knowledge. I don't know that story. Um, but I can't imagine her knowledge is any less important. Um, but femininity is directly associated with her in the Norse battle culture. And um, so she's also associated with, with prophecy. Um, Athena, not so much, uh, not so oracular. So a saga 
means seer. It also is a word that becomes narrative and, and storytelling. But even in that, seer, she sees things to tell other people in order for them to go out and do what they're going to do. So it's it's um it's an active role in sharing knowledge, but it's not an active role in like leading a battle the way Athena mm -hmm. does. I don't have any any experience of any story where she does that. Right. It's more of being consulted. Mm -hmm. Um, quietly <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very different um a very different story than from athena and i i really like it because it's, it's kind of um it seems very mystical right i feel like again very limited literature but i feel like what the norse are sort of trying to convey is that saga has a, a much deeper um more uh intrinsic relationship with knowledge or wisdom than Odin, I think, because yes. like I said, Odin has to fight and, and sacrifice for knowledge. And he depends on those two ravens. We've said this before mm -hmm. to, to bring him information. Right. Whereas saga watches, right? Saga almost, it almost, the implication almost seems like she lives outside of time mm -hmm. she's the historian she knows everything that's happened in the past she's a seer she knows what happens in the future she does not actively participate she's almost like a god of time sort of you know she yeah, has yeah, these yeah, sort absolutely. of roles yeah, yeah. and um but again it's it's more passive than athena she's not going and, and burning things down odin's no. just coming hey let's hang out let's drink hang out on the beach and I'm going to tell you about what happened in the past and what will happen in the future. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, you know there's story. a Marvel Comics character that that she reminds me of. Um, this is maybe obscure information now, but it's a character who's been all the way through the canon of Marvel, and it's called the Watcher. There's a whole group of them, mm -hmm. aliens, but the Watcher. That's that's like this, not the same thing as the Seer, but it's close. Uh, if you're if you're very keenly uh, with with acuity and discernment observing what's going on which suggests an open-mindedness suggests uh, uh, suggests a taking in of what is there not not having it be spun mm -hmm. that's that's great power yeah yeah you're not it's she's very she is very unique in in Norse mythology because like you said Norse mythology is it's a battle culture you know and um yeah i think that the to me it seems like it's rife with symbolism um mm. you know the fact that she's sitting by this she's sitting on a, a bank you know there's a flowing water on a beach you know the fact that it's sort of a passive thing she's a historian and a seer there's mm -hmm. really heavy symbolism with this sort of this aspect of time you know this sort i of, agree this I, I think that's a great place to go with this yeah and, you know not even just not even just the flowing of time but sort of you know the passive aspect of it um you know that question of you know what things are are within your control and what things aren't you know coming from a battle culture you know if you're going to be fighting all the time you're going to be doing all these things Had how much is that going to be contributing to this flow of time you know yes and how much Better are you at a battle or um, fishing, um, which you have to do in order to survive in such a culture, um, to ply the waves, to do this business that you're doing. Um, you have to be aware of the water, and she is a water and a flow, and all the, well, the water of time works for us thinking about this. But to read the currents of a very... A difficult part of the ocean um, to be able to well, they, she's referred to as a student of life or a student of the universe, which suggests a humility and a discipline and a focus. You're a lifelong student, and so am I. Um, that says open-mindedness. That says take in what is there, and then figure out what it means. Mm mostly take in what is there process it so, yeah yeah that's it yeah so we we're seeing a huge jump between athena and, and saga yeah um and 
in a way, Saraswati, the the huh. Indian goddess um, of wisdom, uh, has aspects of both of them, right? Uh, so, yes, and, and sometimes she's called Saraswati. Um, many pronunciations, but yeah, she has. So we're going to the Indian. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, okay, you're gonna have to help me with some of those pronunciations. But I will try. I'm yeah. the kind of person who has read a lot of words, but has not heard a lot of them spoken. So <laughs> pronunciation no, I, is not my strong. Well, thing. it does. It does help. As I said, I had this marvelous, marvelous professor named Tom Coburn who um, took a, a, a small seminar deeply into Hinduism, and so to hear him gently pronounce the names taught me a lot. Mm. This was back before you could go press a button and say uh, sound how to pronounce. <laughs> and put in the word, but you're not even sure of those because you're not sure where those are coming from. Yeah. Sometimes, so yeah, those know. those are helpful. There's one the other day yeah. that Amanda and I were we saw a uh, portmanteau. Oh, yeah, what? Well, you know, okay. Well, we know that it, you blend two words, but like, how do you pronounce that? Is it is it? You know, it looks mm-hmm. French, but mm-hmm. oh, portmanteau. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So Sarah, yeah, how Sarasvati? Sarasvati. Um. Why don't you? And again, in the Indian is very. Well, we talked it, about the this Hindu last is, week. Is an incredibly ancient religion and complex and complex. Right, very oh. complex stories are changing. Oh. But what, what's kind of her general um, history? When she first um, shows up in some of the sacred or storytelling texts of the the Rig Veda, for instance, she shows up. It's sort of, she's, it's like what you said last week. Uh, We don't, even when we're talking about creation uh, mythology and then the king of the gods, some of these beings are just there, Mm. right? And so uh, she's first appearing there. Later, she has some religious texts. Um, She gives gifts. One of her first gifts is uh, ink, pen, um, writing, and thus eloquence, <laughs> and thus study. <laughs> you know, so language. She, give, she gives um, uh, the, the written language, Sanskrit. And the fascinating part about that is, so do, do we, you know what time frame that was? When, when did you first show up? Oh, thousands right. of years okay so, we're talking it's probably we're uh, you're talking probably oh well over 2000 years i think right so, so 2000 years ago in india today they still celebrate her by mm-hmm. children learning the alphabet learning language yeah. writing you know yeah. Yeah. so it's amazing yeah. that over that and, length and of time Hindu, Hindu, it's been that yeah. consistent you know um, but she's 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 a, a Brahma a Brahma's wife. Um, so they're you know, they're all they're all these domestic pieces about her. Uh, like Athena, she is patron of both, and it suggests equally arts and sciences. There's that commonality, mm-hmm. See, right, which which writing, which is why she's one of my, of course, as a teacher of writing, but she's she's one of the ones that I find most fascinating, not because of any necessarily heroic deed, although there are things associated with it. We talk about those in a minute, but because um, because she brings the tools. It's sort of Promethean. Uh, Prometheus mm-hmm. in the old Greek stories gives, brings fire to the, the darkness of humanity. Well, she brings writing, which is its own kind of fire. Right, yeah. Um, so I, uh, but you'll, you'll like this because of what we were talking about with, with Saga. She's associated with, with um, her name is, uh, among other things, means flowing or has a suggestion of flowing. Um, she's watery. Um, she is associated with with rivers and and well rivers are deeply important in in the culture um and 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 the ganges river sacredness of water um and oh, let's see what else that i i had this underlined somewhere musical instruments and uh she is 
not Brahma. Brahma is not worshipped, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has her own rituals. So this is one of those inversion things where wife of or consort of actually has more um, cultural power. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's that's interesting about her. Um, um, one, so here's a, here's a story. I think you read this one too, but uh, 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 one of the most important Hindu gods, Brahma, is rarely actively worshipped. Uh, this is explained as the result of a curse from Sarasvati. The curse was actually brought about through misunderstanding. One day when awaiting his wife to begin an important ceremony and he unable to start the ritual punctually, Brahma asked the gods' advice. They respond by creating a new wife for him. Gayatri, so that the ceremony could go ahead at the precise time. When Sarasvati eventually turned up, she was not very pleased to see her husband with another woman, so she cursed Brahma never to be worshipped by humanity. Hmm. Okay, so, um, now, interesting, because in, in, the, in yoga, a little side note, the, the Gayatri um, is one of the most fundamental um, mantras, chants. Uh, that that helps one settle into meditation. So the discipline is there, but she was not happy. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a real interesting story, right? Because we talked about this a little last week. We were saying, you know, if you were going to use mythology um, as a way of like teaching societal lessons, yeah, a lot of the kings of the gods were were awful examples, right? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they're very you know they weren't good in that way. This this one kind of is, you know, you see rampant. Um, infidelity and philandering among kings of the gods, and generally it goes unpunished. Um, but in this case, it it kind of does, right? So, yeah. or or it's an indirect punishment. It's a punishment, as often again the patriarchal story. Hera with with Zeus, she doesn't punish Zeus. She punishes the woman that Zeus is with, right? Turns her into a cow, or, or renders her infertile, or banishes her. You know, it's just mm-hmm. we're replete with those examples. But yeah, there's no direct punishment here. He loses. His, he loses his status as a venerable yeah, yeah, as deity a character because yeah. he he made that that mistake. Yeah. That's the kind of lesson you'd want to um, reinforce in a society to actually maintain family. You know, a nuclear family norm and ties. You'd, you'd think. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, if you were taking it as a morality tale, I, I suppose, I suppose so. I'm not sure it's intended that way. Yeah, we, we but, talked about it last uh, week. There's a difference between mythology uh, and folklore, for sure. Right, uh, but it, it certainly does. I think if one stays with the mythological aspect, there's still that. There's a related thing, which, which is that. Well, this is my interpretation, which is that. The power of language, of writing, of storytelling, of art is more important than punctuality. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I really take from it. You can bloody well wait for this ritual of yours to start till I get there. If you have to start punctually with a ritual rather than what the ritual itself is about, then you're missing the point. Mm. Male. <laughs> That's where I am with it. Yeah, yeah. It definitely portrays that message of um, uh, the meaning of something being more important than the form of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs> um, what else? Do you have anything else on Sarah's uh, body? No, let's move on. Okay. There's so much, but no, let's move on. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, you know, one of the things I like about the the Hindu and the Indian gods is the um, the iconography of them. You know, it's it's fascinating to look at them, and she's she's an interesting one because um, you sometimes know, forearms, yeah, sometimes and, you know, holding up a water pot and a pen, right, or, or a, a, a stylus, or and a musical musical instrument. Yeah. Which what's funny about it is uh, Sarasvati and um, the Japanese goddess of of wisdom uh, again Benzaiten Benzaiten um you see a lot of similarities between between them um but yeah uh, so real yeah. interesting yeah. um and again she Sarasvati um is is representative of um you know r- real action you know yeah yeah you know actually 
music, speech, learning, um, you know, these things that are, are more, more, I wouldn't say concrete, you know, music and, and learning and speech are all things that require thought and wisdom and abstraction. Um, but they're the, the concrete actionable manifestations of them. Jumping right into your current field of study, they are actionable as CLOs or SLOs mm. or any one of those unit planning things one does. You must have that <clears throat> that active verb yeah, yeah. <laughs> that indicates. Uh, so you can't use some abstract term. The students will learn X, Y, or Z. That's not allowed. Mm-hmm. anymore it's got and so i think yeah sarasvati or ben, ben Saiten is uh involved in that <laughs> it's their fault all right let's go to uh let's go to egypt so okay. we've we've mentioned made a lot of allusions to her so far and, and she's probably um, might be the most interesting one to me out of out of the group is, is isis yeah. yeah um the one uh the one true queen of the gods that we're talking about in, in this episode. And she's just, um, unbelievably complex. There's so much to, to the story of her. Um, why don't you give us, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because I like the shot more. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> than ISIS. So I'm going to have you talk about ISIS, and I'm going to talk about Sashad. Okay. Uh, and, what, and, and what you, I mean, I, I can, I know I'll talk with you about what, what is the most fascinating thing about ISIS is her ability to take action. Mm-hmm. What's the most powerful thing that she's, or what, what's one of the most striking, dramatic things that she did in, in your, I mean, uh, experience probably, of the story? Yeah. I think that the coolest aspect of her to me is, um, how she helps people um, to the underworld, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so we we talked about Ra last time and about how he makes that daily journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but Isis, with her, you know, she's known as they speak. She's spoken incredibly highly of. Like there's there's quotes in the Egyptian mythology that say she's more clever than thousands of gods, mm-hmm. or she's more magical than all the gods, all of these things. So she's known for casting spells for, um, you know, transferring people from life to death, mm-hmm. which in Egyptian culture is extremely important. We have pyramids for that reason. <laughs> like yeah. the greatest, you know, some of the greatest physical structures ever built are dedicated to this concept. Mm-hmm. So, um, the fact that she's given that significance, um, and the way that she's talked about and her role in the mythology doing that, that's probably the most, um, the most striking part to me. Because she's not uh, uh, Charon or Charon uh, yeah. from the, from the Greece. So you know, give a coin, they ferry you across. She's much more, mm-hmm. um, the guide. Yeah. Okay. And she and 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 of her other aspects thus flow into a thing that was a Saturday morning cartoon show when I was a kid called Mighty Isis, <laughs> <laughs> which was a really low budget <laughs> thing, but it was wonderful anyway because it was a female hero, mm-hmm. and and that was unusual, right? Yeah. So anyway, side note, um, I like Sashat. Because she is also a scribe, <laughs> uh, and she's and she is considered the goddess of wisdom, also in some parts of Egyptian mythology. Uh, so I'm not trying to sidetrack you away from Isis, but I think that there, there are di- here's where we have different aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, Isis has the, in some ways, perhaps the knowledge through um, active experiential work whereas um, if you're sitting on a beach and watching like saga so to speak studying the universe that's not that's not passive watching is passive seeing implies an, an, an activeness but it's a different kind of activity than, than with isis um 
So Sashad means female scribe, um, lady of writing. And um, she is the consort, not the wife, because, of course, it's still patriarchal, um, mm. of Thoth, who's himself. He's the god of, god of wisdom. Mm. But we've got a god and a goddess of wisdom. And in fact, more than one. Right. So what is, why do we need this? Well, I, I don't know. We to, to try to, we're, we're not going to take that all apart in, in our podcast. But, but the question arises, why would more than one deity or figure be associated with this? Is it because wisdom and knowledge are so many different things? And we're going back to Frigg, 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 yeah. and, 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 and Saga as an aspect. Well, okay, so if Thoth is the male god of wisdom, and Isis is the queen of the gods, and wisdom is associated with her, but writing wisdom is, is Sashat, but Thoth needs her with him, then perhaps uh, just having wisdom isn't enough. You have to be able to convey the wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you definitely see that across all of these characters, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, Athena, you know, is, is the goddess of wisdom, but I think that in many ways that manifests as being clever or strategic or, you know, so there's an actionable yes. thing behind yes. that. Saga is sort of um, the antithesis of that. And then you're seeing aspects of it in these characters. Like you said, Isis is probably. Isis has some of both, I think, because like you said, there's, there's that actionable or strategic or cleverness that Athena has through experience, but there's also a very um, kind of mystical element to it. There's mm-hmm. these spells and there's this um, ability to get Ra to say his secret name and, and all of this other stuff that is not, um, not tangible. It's very... Um, it's abstract, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, again, we're, we're looking at these characters and we're seeing that they're not just carving copies of each other. They're, they're, they're very complex. Right. And in her case, so she, uh, one of the reasons that she, I, I find her interesting is because she became, um, well, like Lilith <laughs> in, in, in Christian mythology. She was sort of overwritten, overwritten and overwritten until she just almost disappears. She's one of the most ancient goddesses. And and having Archeal unearthed her stories and her festivals and so on, um, uh, there, there's this this note that uh, one of the uh, sites that I, I uh, was re referencing um, that uh, other goddesses um, prospered, so we can't blame the patriarchy. This writer says. Uh, Sashat refused to fit into the new popular solar religion. Um, and so she's written out of mythology because religion itself, mythological-based religion, is changing. But yet she still surfaces because writing mm. is so important. Plato was – none of this was – well, um, he, he he wondered if writing was going to be the undoing of the world, but but writing was very important mm. uh, for these for these folks. And I have and I think about this. And I know this is a side thing too, but to, why do we talk about these things? Well, partly because for me they manifest in one's own life. Um, some of the most powerful women that I know, my friends, my deep lifelong friends. Are people and and and, and or uh, daughter or daughter-in-law or um, but people who are deeply involved in the arts of in one way or the other. But well, that's self-selecting, I suppose. It's genetic and all that kind of stuff. But but more than that, um, this is where I see elements of these beings, not friends as goddesses, but um, but the aspects. Mm-hmm. Some who are very, very caught up in the very their very being in writing, some in visual art, some in uh, storytelling through theater or puppetry and, or, and playwriting, and and so you you wouldn't have just one element because some of them represent collectively to me, and we have the advantage of sitting here talking about all this is the the uh, wisdom through 
seeing, the wisdom through strategy, the wisdom through taking action, um, and so on. Yeah, and I mean, think about this, right? She's the goddess of writing, the scribe goddess. She's written out of history because she doesn't fit in with the solar (laughs) gods, but she continues to live on through writing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, obviously we're looking at these stories and, you know, people are making their own determinations about what they believe in. Right. But by and large, not many people today believe the Egyptian gods and goddesses are real. But think about that. You get written out of the pantheon, but you continue to live on historically through the gift that you are the patron of. Yes. There's something very real about <laughs> there that, isn't is. there? <laughs> there, there, there? Yes, it is. It can take you there. And and I like the way you put that. It's it's Well, this is why jo- Joseph Campbell was, you know, spent his, his remarkable intellect and, and life and, and gathering tales, finding a common story and so on. But also, how does that apply to us? What is the mythic in our life? Well, Jung was doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's something that is there and accessible and not weird, although it might feel weird. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's funny is that Jung is a, is a good example, right? He has the archetypes and, um, you know, tried to apply psychology to these sorts of things. And, and again, it's, it, to me, it's very much like mythology, right? Okay. Maybe there's a very questionable element of what about this is real. Um, but that doesn't at all affect the interest in it. You know, you, you read about it or you think about it and you go, there's something powerful about that, that narrative, that story, the, the power of just, you know, regardless of the reality of it, yeah. um, the power of the narrative, you know, the story that's being told. And there's another little thing with her that's very important to me. Building on what you just said, building on that, she... <laughs> writing, when she, res- when she resurfaces and, and so on, it's, uh, oh, this is an evolution of storying, but... Uh, Accounting, hmm. the, the most important writing is the listing of items and treasuries and how much beer you have or whatever <laughs> the drink of, right? The, the treasure. So she it goes from writing to data acquisition, <laughs> which is certainly a, 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 what has happened to writing instruction in mm-hmm. our, uh, our uh, and. <laughs> And then a different kind of use of space. She becomes um, associated with architectural space. So the creation of space. You start with writing. In the beginning was the word. (laughs) And then you're creating space. Hmm. And you're enumerating what's in that space. So there's just a, a really, really ancient thing in there. That's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the Egyptian and the Hindu pantheons, in in a lot of ways, are the most interesting to me because they're so old. Mm. You know, like I was looking at an interactive map the other day. It's a, it's a video, and as the video goes on, every second is something like a hundred years of history or something like that. And so it's showing the entire world and the different civilizations or. Um, dynasties that have ruled over different parts of the world. And um, one thing that you see that that really sticks out is as this map changes, you know, you constantly see these things pop up and disappear, pop up and disappear. Egypt and is always there at the Nile Delta. It never expands. It never contracts. It's just there for thousands and thousands of years. And that's an interesting thing, right? It is. The more things change, the more they stay the same or vice versa. The more they stay the same, the more they change, right? The the culture was there and there wasn't a whole lot of inside or outside um, influence in the form of captivity or conquering different lands or, you know, integrations of different societies or cultures, that sort of thing. But the culture itself was still changing over time, mm-hmm. right? You know, yes, it will. Yeah, it, it's sort of an antithesis to America. Rather than being a melting pot, bringing in all of these elements and constantly creating something new, instead you had this one spot that occupied the same geographical region and had the same religion, 
but it was still constantly evolving and changing over time. Yeah. And it's a whole different perspective from a lot of the other places that you look at in terms of cultural appropriation and, and those sorts of things. So, the, so anybody who happens to be listening to our podcast and say, why are you talking about all these things? Well, the, it's not because everything has to have a utilitarian purpose, but it, you just demonstrated it metaphorically, uh, in, linguistically, intellectually, uh, spiritually, uh, these uh, artistically, these stories um, lead us to observations, a seeing that leads us to rethinking what culture can be and how different cultures are of equal importance in our development as, as beings. Yeah, man, it's fascinating. <laughs> All right, so let's let's look at uh, Ben Zayden, our last okay. last goddess of wisdom. And again, like I said, we'll we'll see a lot of um, similarities between her and and Sarasvati. Yeah. Um, but why don't we go over her uh, her general kind of background? Well, I find I've, uh, I've I I haven't had discussions with my Japanese students about this particular being. But sometimes we do talk about things. But I, I, I think what's interesting for me is that she is associated. This is like a team, right? We like teams in this culture, mm -hmm. right? Well, so there's a team of seven gods of fortune, or seven. The, the, it's like the the magnificent seven. Right? <laughs> so she's part of of that. Um, and and uh, again, like. Uh, Sarasvati, like Athena. Now, I, here's one of those things that slips across cultures: the flute, mm. the instrument. In these stories, there's an instrument that the the goddess invents, but doesn't like the way it looks or sounds when she plays it. What do you think is the message there? You have these goddesses of wisdom that are inventing musical instruments yeah. that don't want. To play them what is what is the underlying message oh my gosh I, I there, there are a couple of thoughts that come to mind what one is the wisdom in knowing that you can conceive of things and still can't necessarily do them because god or goddess doesn't mean that you can do everything hmm. to me that's what's what's in there um so there's a kind of, uh, again, a humility or a, a running into a boundary. Uh, sure, I, I, can, I can do body fill on a car. I'm not the goddess of cars or the god of cars, but I can, I can, I can do body fill on a car. But I am not going to be able to play that process the way, um, you know, Steve Odd or anybody else around the area that we live in are, are so good at because they spend a life owning it you can have you have you ever made something where you just said oh, I, I i've made it now what <laughs> yeah yeah and, and again i think you're bringing up an interesting point right because a good example of that would be um kind of expanded universes right so george lucas writes these three movies yeah. and then all of a sudden, dozens of authors start writing their own stories. And yes. in a lot of ways, yes. people would say, Did better these than other <laughs> authors, yeah, these other authors actually created the universe. You know, like, so it's kind of the same thing. All right, well, this guy created something that can, yeah. that can perform a task. Um, but really, and another guy, all right, so I, I love Fender guitars, right? Mm -hmm. This is, I'm not supported by Fender guitars <laughs> in any way. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I love Fender guitars. <clears throat> Fender guitars were created by a guy named Leo Fender. Um, all the iconic designs he invented, the Telecaster, the Stratocaster, the, the Jazzmaster, mm -hmm. along with a bunch of other guitars under different brand names. Easily the most influential guitar maker of all time. Didn't play guitar. So he was the god of musical so instruments. He did yeah. exactly what they did. He created these unbelievable things, but he never performed anything on them. And, and was consulted, as I understand. I mean, you know more about him than I, but I've, I've, I've heard a few stories. I think he, he was sought mm -hmm. as the wise one for guitars, right? Yeah, because he worked at Fender, and then he worked at um, Music Man, and then he worked at GNL. So all these guitar companies were scrambling to get his And asking him to make new, or he wanted to create new versions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, or and, and presumably people were saying, "Well, how could I make this sound, or how could I make that sound?" Yeah, it's, yeah. So, so there you are. <laughs> again, this you that's know, excellent. so that's 
yeah, it's a, it's a good example of the, the complexity of yeah. um, a, a topic, right? Yeah. You know, and, and a certain concept or a certain abstraction isn't as simple as being the god of music, you know? And she's also... Because if you're the god of music, you might not necessarily be the god of instruments or the god of, you know composition or and there's the use is. of it when you start saying what does it mean to be the god of music or, or what does it mean to be an inventor of guitars what does that entail what does that not have to entail what does it surprisingly not involve it's but there's the the kernel of joy in it for me it's the surprise oh Oh, now I have to think about this differently again. <laughs> That's the ongoing gift of the stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I can't help to think with um, a lot of the... Ben Zayton is... is um, she's referred to as the goddess of, of things that flow. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's this, that um, kind of the direct correlation of Sarasvati, but, yes. you know, water, time, speech, Saga. all these things. Yeah. And you can't help but think of... Um, stepping into the river right and oh, okay. <laughs> back to that yeah right? you know, so <laughs> is the river you know it, something is constantly changing i can't think of it it's the same thing with all of these concepts right you you yeah. you can't you, step in the same river twice right nope yep no maybe yeah why no <laughs> right that's the beauty of all of, of philosophy in general and all of these characters specifically is you know you look at the stories and you look at the uh you know all the things behind him and you say okay well yep nope i don't know i don't know maybe there's something new there each time you know now, here's something i want to ask you what do you think because we've talked about the flow we've talked about the river just now we've talked about the, 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 all, of, all of the things some that we've revisited so what does it really mean that a goddess of knowledge wisdom is often represented as goddess of water. What does water riddle me this, Batman? What do water and knowledge have in common? Yeah, you know, or again, wisdom. I, you know, I think it's that thing, like when we were talking about saga, right? There's, there's this element. There's kind of a mystical element to it, and you know, I think that even with all of our, our science and our technology and how far we've gotten, we're not notably closer to answering the question hmm. you know what is wisdom or knowledge right you we 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 can even create artificial intelligences but when when you try to get them to interact like a human you put them through the turing test mm -hmm. um it's very difficult unless you're in a very narrow specified field of what you're doing right a new thing is they have ai writing news articles and i can always tell when i'm reading one <laughs> you know like oh okay well eh. mm -hmm. but no i think that i think that the um the message there is you know is the same message as as the river right you know they're using that water as a symbolism for um knowledge and, and time and the things that flow you know wisdom is not wisdom and knowledge is not a static thing um, you don't just learn it all and then it's there because even human memory doesn't work that way. Even if you did learn all of the things, your memory, your ability to recall them wouldn't be the same every time. Right. It's different every time you recall it. So your entire stream of consciousness and your, the facts that you're drawing upon, all those things are, are constantly flowing. They're constantly Moving. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? Yeah, and, and, and these people thousands of years ago knew that. I think that it was something that was identified, you know, in, inherently. And now we're in a culture which, not always, not always and ever, but two divergent things happen. One is everybody wants to be sure of everything, and nothing is worth anything unless you can be absolutely sure of it, which is totally counter to wisdom mm. in many ways. Or there is no such thing as knowledge. Knowledge is whatever we say it is, and so it becomes relativistic tripe. And and you can't possibly glean wisdom from it because you're not willing to sit and do the work to 
to pull it out. And both those things are happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. Uh, the water's not flowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's a battle between people who are wanting to say, yeah, there's no, there's no water. You're either standing on a rock or nothing exists. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, those are... Those are arguments that we can look at. I'd, I'd like to do another series on um, actual schools of philosophical thought because I think relativism or uh, uh, you know nihilistic kind of thought are things that are very interesting and have lessons that that can be learned. Um, but I think they're often misunderstood or taken to extremes by people who don't yep. have the background. You know, let's do that. That's good. <laughs> so we'll we'll get to that someday. But I think at this point, I'm having fun with this series on on the different oh, yeah. gods. So I'm thinking probably the next the next most logical one to to look at would be gods and goddesses of of war. I was thinking be, the uh, yeah, probably the next one. So um, we'll we'll probably end up doing that next time. And uh, until then, keep on. Thank you.